Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. There we go. Amen. How are the people of God doing this morning? Y'all excited to be in the house of the Lord? To worship our King and our Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ? Amen and amen. I'm excited uh, to stand before you uh, this morning. Um, just as a side note, Pastor Mason is here. He's downstairs teaching Covenant Community. He hated not being in the pulpit this week. Uh, but, but just know he's in the building. He's just teaching our new members uh, this morning. Why don't you stand with me and open your Bibles to Exodus, the 13th chapter. Exodus chapter 13. Verses 17 and 18. Exodus chapter 13. Verses 17 and 18. I'm just going to read it for you this morning since it's such a short section of scripture. Y'all with me? Exodus chapter 13. Here we go. Here's the word of the Lord. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though that was nearby. For God said the people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So he led the people around toward the Red Sea along the road of the wilderness. And the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. If I could tag our text this morning, I would simply say trusting God in a wandering season. Trusting God in a wandering season. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful and honored that we get to be called your people that you have called us from the midst of all of your creation and you have given us a specific name and saved us by a specific name and called us yours. How good it is to be called children of God. How good it is to be able to testify that the God of the world, the God of the universe, the God who created all things has called us his. That we have intimate relationship with you, that we can depend on you, that we can trust you and trust your word. So God, we pray you would speak to us through your word this day that you might encourage us, convict us, comfort us, give us reassurance, oh God, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 You may be seated. Trusting God in a wandering season. So I have four, uh, four children on beautiful children. I love them greatly three uh, girls and, and a boy, and, and my kids are very creative. Now, they're not somebody else's uh, children. I know as parents, we like to think that. We like to think that, you know, we got Einsteins on our hands and, you know, like, like everything they do, the best they could be done uh, for, uh, uh, among other children. But my children, like as special as they are to me, they're pretty average to the world. <laughs> you know, and that's not a diss to my children. I'm just being honest with you right but every every once in a while just like a normal kid they 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 like to go off in a different portion of the house and they make something they create something they take out a piece of paper and they draw something or they they build something the other room uh, I get a call daddy daddy I want you to see something I want you to see something that I've done 
And, and what happens is they, they come get me, but because uh, they've, they've made something special and I have not already seen what it is, they want it to be a surprise to me. And so what they do is they come, daddy, daddy, I want you to see what I made. All right, baby, let's go. Show, show me what you got. And, and, but, but in order to get there, one of the things that they often make me do is close my eyes. Now, I don't know if y'all got children, but they are the most untrustworthy creatures <laughs> to ever live. And so, so they'll, they'll say, Daddy, cl close your eyes. I want to take you to see it. And I'm like, you, you know, I got to be a good dad. So, all right, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me play the role. Let me close my eyes. And, and they, I close my eyes and they begin to lead me. And, and unfortunately, children are not very detail oriented. And so not only do they not give me directions of turn right here, turn left there, keep going forward about three steps, but they, they let me bump into walls and, and, and like step on stuff. And, and sometimes they'll leave me, like they will let go of my hand and run and expect me to keep my eyes closed and figure out where they went. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to get somewhere and not knowing where you're going and not having any leadership to help you figure it out is one of the most terrifying experiences that you can ever have. And guess what? Isn't life like that sometimes? Don't you find yourself in seasons where you're trying to figure out what's going on? I, I don't know whether or not to make this decision or, or that decision. I, there's, there's so much on my plate with so many intricate details that I don't want to mess up. Because if I make one wrong mistake, I feel like everything's going to crumble underneath me. God, I need some help and I don't feel like you're answering me quick enough. That's life sometimes. And, and, and when you get into those moments where you're unsure of what to do and you don't know what, 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 what's coming around that dark corner that you can't see, the only thing that you can do is trust in the character of the one who's leading you. That, that's all you got to lean on, is the character of the one who's leading you. Now, by the time we get here in Exodus chapter 13, we've, we've already built a narrative that exists. So you can't just jump into Exodus 13 and understand what's going on. There's, there's context that exists. Context is important. Context helps give a fuller picture of what you're now reading so that you can experience what God is saying in a full way without missing anything. Y'all understand context? Context. And so by the time we get here in Exodus chapter 13, we have this people group called Israel that has now been raised up in Egypt. And they've been there for about 400 years. I know some of y'all might know this story, but I'm not going to assume that everybody in this room does. And so there's there's this group called Israel. They've been in Egypt for about 400 years. And 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 while they're there, there's this Pharaoh, this Pharaoh, this leader that comes to power that doesn't know anything about how they got there or why they're there or anything about their history. And all he does does is look out at them and say they look different from us if we go to war we're afraid that they're going to join the other side let's oppress them and so they begin to oppress the Israelites and after a little while the, the the weight and the heaviness of oppression becomes so heavy on their backs they begin to just call out to God what you gonna do God when you gonna show up when you going to come and fight for, our, for your people? And so God does something that he normally does, even though it might not be the way we expect him to do it. He's, he begins the, the process of rescuing them. 
and he sends them one of their own people, this guy named Moses, who, who's got a stuttering problem and, and doesn't like public speaking and doesn't think he's much of a leader himself. But eventually God sends Moses to Pharaoh and says, I, I need you to let my people go. And so Moses and, and Pharaoh have this back and forth and they, you know, you know, Moses is doing some miracles and, and, and then Pharaoh sends some of his, uh, some of his magicians and they do some miracles, but eventually it gets to the point where God turns up the heat and he says, I'm going to start doing stuff that your magicians can't replicate. I, I want you to know that, that what you're trusting in this sorcery, this, this, this evil that you're trusting in can't compete with the God of heaven. And so he begins to turn up the fire. And so you, you, you get into this season where God is now sending plagues against the Egyptians on behalf of his people to show Pharaoh and the Egyptians and his people that he legit. He, he, said, he said, just in case you think I'm just a God who just talks the talk, I'm going to make it clear to you that you can't stand before me. You can't hang with me. Like I'm, I'm the goat when it comes to being God. Like, ain't no, like, it ain't LeBron and Mike. There ain't no discussion. Like, ain't nobody, go read the book of Isaiah. Ain't nobody like me. Ain't nobody even step on the scene that you can compare to me. I'm as goat as they get. So he begins to send these plagues. And and, at first, you know, he he sends, uh, well, he turns water into blood. And then he sends frogs. And and then he sends gnats. And and mind you, the crazy thing about this is is God's making it clear that he's the God of the Israelites because everything that's affecting the land of Egypt is not affecting the land where the Israelites are staying. He says, so I'm be very specific. I'm not just sending frogs everywhere. I'm sending frogs everywhere where you are and they ain't. So he sends frogs and gnats and flies and and then, then he takes out the livestock. Then, then he sends boils and, and hail. And, and then everything that hasn't already been destroyed, he sends locusts and says, finish everything off. And, and then, you know, Pharaoh keeps going back and forth. All right, I'm going to let him go. Then he hardens his heart. I'm going to let him go. Then he hardens his heart. And then eventually God's like, you know what? If this joker don't get it in order, I'm going to take what he values most, his firstborn son. But, but, but I need you to have faith in what I'm doing because he didn't just say that. He required faith from the Israelites. That's where you get the Passover, where they had to take a spotless lamb and kill it and dip in its blood and put it on the doorpost. And they said, if you do that, you will be saved. But everybody who doesn't do that will experience my wrath. And so, and so, so, so God sends the, the, the last plague, which is the killing of the firstborn son. And, and, and eventually, uh, the Bible says that, that a cry came out of Egypt like, like was never heard before. Because everybody experienced the death of somebody in their household who did not have blood smeared over the doorposts. Smeared over the doorposts. And, and so, so the, the, by that time, the Egyptians, they're so ready for the people of Israel to be gone. They start giving them stuff. Take this gold. Take this fine linen. Take everything that I got. Just get out of here. And so they leave. God rescues them. The Egyptians change their mind. Pharaoh changes his mind. They start to chase them down because they say, man, if we let these people go, who's going to do all this work we got to do? So they, they chase them down. And what does God do? He splits this Red Sea. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen water that was a body of water get split in two. And the land underneath it, which should be moist and mud, be dry. And you just get to walk across. And then after you get to safety, your enemies try to come through the same route. And God says, this route is not for you and closes up the body of water. Now, I haven't seen it with my eyes, 
but I've seen enough trustworthiness of God's word to know that what he's saying is true. And so by the time they get across the Red Sea, we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. And it says, says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God didn't lead them along the road of the Philistines. Here's my first of, of two points. God's leading is personal. When, when God leads you, it's personal. Now, now it's interesting that, that this verse starts off with, with when Pharaoh let the people go. Because if you read back into chapter 12 on four different occasions, uh, God clearly lets the people know before they even get here, God clearly lets the people know it was by a strong hand of the Lord that you were set free. It was by my strong hand, my strong, mighty right hand that I saved you. It was by my strong hand that I took you out of bondage and, and brought you to the land. And see, what, what, what you need to know is that even when God uses other people, he's sovereignly still in control. And so, so God, God says, listen, Pharaoh let you go, but Pharaoh only let you go because I told him to let you go. Like I made him sovereignly let you go. Pharaoh didn't let you go on his own volition. He let you go because the God of heaven wanted you free. See, somebody need to let that sink in their soul right now. That despite what may be holding you bondage right now, when God tells it to let you loose. So it says, it says that Pharaoh, Pharaoh, when Pharaoh let the people go, said God, God didn't lead them along the road of the land of the Philistines. Now, it, it, it's, it's saying God didn't lead them a particular direction, but it's saying that because it's letting you know that God led them a different direction. That, that, that he didn't lead them along the land uh, of the, the land of the Philistine, which lets us know that, that God, he's making it clear. He didn't say that Moses didn't lead them. He, he didn't say that, 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 that somebody else didn't leave. He's saying that God didn't lead them one direction, but led them another direction, which, which lets us know that God's making it clear to the people of Israel, despite who I may use in the course of your human history, it doesn't matter who is before you. I'm always before you. I may have your leaders changed, but guess who's ever present as the leader of your life? He's, I, I am. That, that's why the Bible lets us know that, that even though he used human leaders, it says that he was there with them all the time as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so even while Moses was leading them, Moses was being led by God. His, his leading is personal. It, it's so personal that, that, that he shows it because he came near when he didn't have to. See, he, 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 see God doesn't have to reveal himself to you. I don't know if we know that, but like, like, like God doesn't have to tell you anything about himself. He is not required by anything in history or anything that exists to say that I have to show you who I am. Even though we're created and we're supposed to know who he is, that's Romans chapter one, that we can see based on what's been created, that there is a divine somebody who created these things that has beauty, power, majesty, that's given us dignity, that's organized and controlled the world. Listen, he, he still don't got to show you nothing. But the fact that God stepped down into human history and saved them and brought them out of Egypt and began to do miracles so that they could see with their eyes that this God existed, he's letting them know that it doesn't matter what you're experiencing in this life, I'm always going to be with you. 
That's why we can take comfort in, in, in scriptures like, uh, like where the, when the psalm says that he's, he's, he's near, near to the brokenhearted. And he saves the crust in spirit. He says our, our God comes near because he's a, he's, a, he's a personal God. He's a personal God. Now, now what's, what's interesting, right, is he says, the Bible says that he didn't take them the way of the Philistines. Even though that was nearby. Now, why on earth would God decide to take them the long way when there's a shorter route that they could go? I know y'all never got frustrated with God because it took too long. Because like, he doesn't work on your time frame. We're we going to talk a little bit about this later. But, but, but you know, sometimes... God can see things that you can't see. And, and when I say see things that you can't see, I'm not even necessarily talking about circumstantially. I'm talking about he can see things about you that you can't see. Where he knows that the long way is better for you than the short way. I'm getting ahead of myself. And so he says, he says that God didn't take them the route of the, the Philistines, but, but, but why? He says, he says, because if I do that, um, the people will change their minds because they've never experienced war before. Oh, this is good right here. Listen, listen, God said, because I know this people and because I know what they can handle and what they can't handle, he says, that's, that's how intimate God is with you. See, God knows you so intimately. He knows what you think you can handle that you really can't handle. And, and, and he knows where, where, where you need to be in the time frame that you need to be in. And, and he says, listen, I know you may not understand it right now, but I got to take you a different route so that when you get to where I have for you, you'll be ready for it. And so, and so he's, he says, he says, he says, man, this, this people, if I take them that route, even though it's the short route, they're going to see some things. They're going to experience some things that's going to be difficult for them so much so that they would rather than press on to experience freedom. They would rather go back into bondage. Woo, y'all didn't hear me. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. Listen, when, when God takes you a long route, but you want to go the short route, he's saying, listen, I would rather you go the long route than to be so overwhelmed because you're not ready yet to experience what's on the short route that you would rather be a slave where it's more comfortable. He says, God, 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 God knew what type of people he had. He, he didn't just call them out of Egypt not knowing who they was. Like he, 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 he knew them intimately. He knew what they couldn't handle emotionally. He knew what would break their spirits. He knew what their fears would be. He knew where they were weak. God, God, God did all of this because he didn't want to prematurely expose them to what they weren't ready for. God is, God, God is personal. When, 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 he, when he leads you. So this, is, this, is, this, this, this is how much God loves you. Like, like God loves you so much that he would rather deal with your mess than let you run back into slavery. That's a, that's a good God. That's a good God. But, but oh, 
Not, not, not only is God's leading personal, but God's leading is also purposeful. God, God's leading is personal, but it's also purposeful. See, see, God, when he, when he, when God, when God calls people to himself, you know, the one, the one thing that, that, that's difficult about God is that he don't just let you stay where you at. I can be honest. I struggle with God sometimes. Sometimes I, sometimes I like being dysfunctional. You know, if you're honest, then you, you like it too. There, there are some things in my life that I don't want to change. It's more comfortable to be dysfunctional than to have to change. But, 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 but God don't work like that. God says, listen, listen, if you, if you want to be my people, uh, when, which, which when I call you, you ain't got no choice in the matter. You, you're going to be my people. But, 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 but if you want to be my people, then you have to be like me. Because he, he, he says, you got to be holy, for I am holy. That, that, that means to be set aside, to set apart holy in every way for God's use. But, 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 but that also means that we have to believe what God believes. That, that means we have, to, we have to like what God likes and we have to hate what God hates. And, and some of the problems in the church stem today from the reality that we don't want to be holy like he's holy. We, we just want to be a little bit holy. We don't want to be as holy as he's holy because that's too hard, which is why we make excuses like, man, well, everybody can't be Jesus. Like everybody can. All we do is make excuses for why we like to hold on to our sin. But he's calling us out from that and says, be holy for I am holy. Because he says, there's there's a reason. There's there's a reason for it. He says, now, I, I could do a whole bunch of things when it comes to saving humanity. When it comes to offering salvation to the world, I can choose what I want to do. But for some particular reason I'm going to choose this group of people to become holy like I'm holy so that they can communicate to the rest of the world what I'm like that they might be a Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6 a light to the nations so that they could fulfill the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that through all the nations of the world they would be blessed by you and so when God calls his people out of bondage and changes them and transforms them, he, he's doing it for you, but also more than for ju- just for you. Because there's an expectation for God's people to look a particular way, to live a particular way, and to communicate who he is in a particular way so that the rest of the world has clarity on who he is. And the beautiful thing about it is, guess what? He didn't choose you because anything about you. Like, we don't dress good enough. We're not consistent enough. You don't got enough education. Not enough savings in the bank. There's nothing about us that warrants God laying his affections on us and saying, I want you to represent me in the world. But, but he does it. He does it anyway. But, but later on in Deuteronomy... Uh, God reflects back on the people's time 
in the wilderness. And he, he, says, he says, if you didn't already know it, which you should, your time was purposeful, here's why. He, he, he tells him in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, he says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. See, 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 I, I don't know if you know, but uh, in, in, in Leviticus chapter 18, I know I'm all in the Old Testament right now. Y'all better trek with me. Some of y'all don't read y'all Old Testament. Y'all need to go ahead and get in the text and start reading some stuff you don't understand. But in Leviticus chapter 18, guess what? Guess what the law says? The, the, the God tells Moses to tell the people. He says, there were some things that you saw in Egypt that you can't do. That's your past. Then there's going to be some things that you see done in Canaan that's your present that you can't do. And so God is telling the Israelites, there are some things and dysfunctions that you learned that became a natural part of your life in your past that you can't take with you. But, 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 but guess what? As a believer, now that I've changed you, even in your future, you're going to come in contact with some things that need to not move you back to your past. And so what I got to do sometimes is take you on a wilderness journey and give you about four. 40 years of detoxification to get some things out of your system and put some things into your system so that when you get into your future, you'll be able to stand firm in my word. So he says, I, I need some time with you. See, the wilderness is purposeful because I need some time with you. You too distracted by everything that's going on around you. I need to quiet your mind. I need to quiet your heart. I need to quiet your mouth so that you can hear me so that I can see whether or not you're going to be humble enough to obey my word. It's purposeful. See, 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 these, these wilderness experiences, they're, 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 they're a unique part of our growth. God, God uses them. And, and, and he uses them so often in our lives that, that either you just came out of a wilderness season, you're in a wilderness season right now, or you're about to go in one. God, God cycles wilderness seasons through in our lives as reminders that they're purposeful and as he grows us to become like he is. They're a unique part of our growth. Now, now they're, 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 when, it, when it comes to God's uh, purposefulness and how he leads us in these wilderness seasons, there, there's a couple of things that we learn about why God is purposeful, right? They got, God is purposeful because he is prioritized with what we will become. Did, did y'all hear that? God, God is purposeful because he's prioritized with what we will become. Now, now, the problem with us when we get into those seasons, we're, we're unsure of what's happening in our lives. We don't have answers for every question and we're trying to figure out and God is taking too long. Guess what? Guess what? what what's wrong with us? The, the difference between us and between God is we're in a hurry. And the, the, the reason why we're in a hurry to get out of the wilderness season is because the assumption from the human heart is that we're not supposed to be there. Woo! Y'all 
y'all say amen. I know I'm in the text. Listen, listen, listen. When we experience difficulty, our first response is, how do I get out? God, help me to get out because the assumption is that that's not where God wants you to be. But the truth of the matter is, God sometimes hurls a fastball at your life, just like he did to Jonah on the ship, where God hurls a storm Jonah's direction. And Jonah has a responsibility to say and be able to discern, is that from God or is that from something else? Because sometimes God is throwing some storms at you and you don't get what God has for you to get out of it because you're thinking that he didn't throw the storm. And so while we're worried about time frame, God is worried about transformation. See, 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 you want to get to the death. See, you're destination oriented. Uh, God is process oriented. And, and so, so, so while you want God to hurry up and get this over with, God's saying, I'm going to keep you in there a little bit longer till you get what you what I want you to get out of it. God, 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 God ain't a, God ain't in a, God ain't in a hurry. See, the Israelites, they, they were concerned. They were concerned about getting what God promised them. So they're they like, we, we got to hurry and get to this promised land. I want some milk and honey. And God, God's like, God, God's like, I, I, I don't care about the promised land. I care about what type of people you'll be when you get there. Which is why God had to constantly remind them before they got into the land. He, what, what did he tell them? God told them this all the time. He said, he said man, I know how y'all do. You want, when, when, when the bank account tight, you pray every day. But let you get a little bit of excess. You know, I, I ain't heard from so-and-so in a while. He said, he, he said, when you get in the land, don't forget who brought you here. See, I don't know what's going to happen. You're going to get in the land, you're going to start feeling yourself. You're going to think you got here on your own strength, that you paved the way, pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. He said, don't, don't you get in here, don't you get in this land and start wilding. He said, he said, if you get in here and you, you obey my word, guess what? There's blessings waiting for you. But go ahead, go ahead, go, go ahead and get in here and act a fool and see what happened. So God, God says, he says I'm, not, I'm not concerned about how long it takes you to get there. I, I'm concerned with who you are when you get there. Right? So, uh, but not, not only is God concerned with, and, and prioritized with what will be like later, but it's purposeful because God is wanting to make it clear to us that he, he always provides exactly what we need. See, you, you, you may think in those wilderness seasons that you need more or that he's not giving you what you need. But God is always letting us know in those seasons when he provides. He's like, I got you. When are you going to trust me? Like, like how, much we gotta, how much we gotta go through together before you trust me? 
I know you don't trust people because they flaky. But when have I ever been like people to you? And so, 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 man, it's, it's interesting that the Israelites complained about so much in the wilderness. And, you know, we'd be arrogant to think that we don't complain as well. You know, if there's, if there's one thing that characterizes the people of God, it's how much we complain. Despite God's goodness and God's providence, we are some complaining people. Like what, then they, they get into the wilderness. One of the first things they complain about is that they hungry. We ain't got no food to eat. I wish we was back in Egypt where we had vegetables and leeks. So what? We were slaves. At least we knew what time we was going to eat. You see how quick we forget what God does in our lives? Like God's track record? Mind you, mind you, God had just split the Red Sea. So you see him split the Red Sea and you walk across on dry land and you think he ain't going to feed you? See, we, we, have, we have a tendency to forget God's track record. And, 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 and even when we forget his track record and complain, guess what God still does? He's so patient and so gracious, and he never stops providing. He even reminds the people. The people always, they was always complaining. I, I couldn't have led this group of people. Like, I just... Jesus, help me. I, I couldn't have done it. Like, even, God even had to remind them. Remember them 40 years you was in the wilderness? How your clothes held together the whole way? How you had one pair of shoes that never wore out? Can you imagine wearing the same pair of shoes for 40 years and they never wear down? You know how much money I would save? But God is, God is showing them, hold on. 40 years, and the clothes on your back, the shoes on your feet, and the food you needed to eat was always taken care of. But yet you still only see what's right in front of you. God, God's showing us that he, he provides everything that we need. And then, then, you know, God's leading this purposeful. I, I love this. God's leading this purposeful. Because he wants us to prefer his presence over anything else. It's interesting, while they were in uh, the wilderness, right, the, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 17 that the Israelites tested the Lord uh, and said, is, is he among us or not? Like, like, mind you, God's presence had never left them, but for some reason they felt like he wasn't there. There's a big difference between feeling like God ain't there and God actually not being there. Trust me, when God ain't there, you're going to know God ain't there. But, but, but here, the, uh, the, the Israelites, they, it says that, that, that God tested them or, or God, they tested God by saying, is he here? And the reason that they were asking whether or not God was here was because they weren't getting what they wanted in the moment. So it wasn't a matter of really whether or not God was, was in their presence. 
the issue was they weren't getting from God what they wanted. And so in their minds, they said, well, I guess he ain't here then. Because that's how we operate with God. Like God exists to fulfill all of our three wishes. And so, so they, like, man, God, God was leading them. Cloud by day, fire by night. But what happened was they were uncomfortable. They were uncomfortable because they had to be mobile and live in tents. They were out in the wilderness where they didn't have access to all the foods that they would have liked to have. Now, all of their needs were being taken care of, but they were just a little uncomfortable. And, and, and I don't know if un, like, like being uncomfortable ever puts you in a position where you start to like not trust God's character. Because we like if we're honest, we can say what we want about the prosperity gospel. But if we're all honest, we all got a little bit of that in us. God, I read my Bible this morning. I've been praying regularly. I've been showing up to church. I serve. Why is this happening? Like we, we expect God because, but again, we don't even realize sometimes how quickly we shift over into a works-based theology. Where, where for us, discomfort means God ain't present. And the only way that we see God actively working is through blessing. Which is a flawed theology because blessing has nothing to do with what God gives you. I don't want to preach another sermon. I'm going to just leave that there. You can hang on to that. Take it home with you. These people, they were, so, they were uncomfortable because, again, they wanted to get to the promised land. They wanted to get to this land that was fertile, this land that was plentiful, this land that they could call theirs. Like, like no, no, nobody, nobody likes not having a, a, a stationary home or a, a stable presence. But the, the issue was that they wanted comfort more than they wanted God's presence. You know, I, if we get to the promised land and God ain't there, well, at least we in the land now. And Moses, Moses responds. He tells God. He says, he says God, because like God, God started talking heavy to him. He was like, man, listen, I'm about to just send y'all on. I'm going to just send y'all on. And God's like, Moses like, God, I ain't doing that. You ain't finna do that. Like, I'm not going there if you ain't there. Like, like, that needs to be the disposition of the Christian's heart. God, I don't care what is over there. I'm not going there unless you're there. You know one of the dangers of this generation? Is, especially as I, I hate that I'm a millennial. Because not that I hate millennials, but I feel like I don't fall in those categories. But whatever, I'm a millennial. But, but what, one of the dangers of our generation is we make major moves about career, about entrepreneurial opportunities, about how much money we're going to make, about education. We don't make moves based on whether or not God is there at all. Which is why we hop around, hop around, searching for fulfillment in the things that we are making major moves for, not acknowledging or trying to discern whether or not God is even there in the first place. The disposition of our hearts needs to be like, like, nah, I'm not making moves unless you there. Yes, that pay is better. Yes, that opportunity is better. That's all well and good. I, I see that. I want that. That's not bad to desire. 
but I don't care how good that is. If you ain't there, And lastly, God, God's, God's leading is purposeful because he doesn't want us to fear where he's taking us to. Now, this, this is important because oftentimes, most times in those wilderness seasons, we don't know what God is doing sometimes. We don't know where we're going to end up or what it's going to look like when we get there. But, but God doesn't want us to be arrested by fear from moving forward. God wants us to push forward by faith, yeah. trusting in him that he has something good for us when we get there. Yeah. It's interesting because when, when, when Moses gets the people to the edge of the land, he sends some spies over into the land. And he says, go, go over there, spy out the land. Come back, give us a report, tell us what's going on. And the guys, the spies get back, and all of them except one are fearful. Man, we can't take this land. We can't go in there. He said, man, they got some giants in there. They look like, like, they look like giants, and we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Ooh! Notice what they said. They said that they look like giants, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. See, they, they weren't trusting God for what he had promised them in the land. They saw with their natural eyes and their natural perspective and said, man, this obstacle is too big for me. Therefore, we can't have it. And, and God here is saying, no, he's saying, he's saying the, the journey is a purposeful journey. Because not only am I changing you and your character and transforming you into the people that I want you to be, but I'm also allowing you to get to know more about me in the wilderness journey. Because, because not only am I transforming you, but I'm transforming your mind so you can know what I'm like. So that you can trust me. So that you can see how I provide. So that you can see how intimately I, I'm aware with you and where your situation is. So that by the time you get there, you'll have a track record, a history of knowing that my God won't leave me or forsake me. Like that, that there's nothing too difficult for God to do on my behalf. That God loves me so much that he works out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The journey is as much about God as it is about you. But Caleb, Caleb comes back in and says, man, I don't know what these fools talking about. We can take them. He said, he said, he said, he said, we're going to like they about to get this work. And and listen, we can take them because of who is on our side. Caleb ain't trusting in his own strength. He's not trusting in his own military prowess. He's not trusting in his ability to dominate and overpower. He's saying we can take them because we got the God of heaven on our side. He said, I ain't scared when I got God on my side. There's nothing to be afraid of when I got God on my side. There's nothing I got to worry about when I got God on my side. What obstacle is too big for God to handle? You're going to tell me that, that that thing that God created is going to stop him? if, he, if they, Man, God ain't got no concerns. 
So they've been in bondage for so long that they, they couldn't even embrace, embrace the idea of freedom. Some of us have been trapped. Some of us have been gripped by sin for so long. We wouldn't know what to do with freedom if we had it. You know, these, 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 these wilderness experiences, aren't, they're, not, they're, not, they're not new for, for us. And going through wilderness experiences doesn't make you less of a Christian. Some of the greatest leaders in the scripture were produced post the wilderness season. Mo- Moses was in the wilderness with the people and God was leading them. Joseph was in the wilderness when he got sold into slavery and then spent 15 years in jail for doing something he ain't do or for, or for getting accused for something he ain't do. And guess what happened? God exalted him afterwards because those lonely nights in the prison was wilderness season formation. So that by the time God exalted him, he had the type of character that God could use in a position of authority. Because when people get exalted without character, when people got authority without character, when people can tell you what to do without character, when people got influence without character. And so God uses these wilderness seasons. He said, he said, he says, he says, like, I, just because you're in the wilderness season doesn't mean I have a leadership role for you. But, but let's, let's not make that an equivalent, right? However, whatever it is that I have you on the other side of this, I want you to be prepared for in your character. Joseph, Moses, David fleeing for his life from Saul and Absalom. Elijah fleeing for, for his life from Ahab and Jezebel. Even Jesus himself had a wilderness season. 40 days and 40 nights of having to, to trust God and fast and, and pray. And then it says at an opportune time when Jesus was at his weakest moment, that's when the enemy showed up. Now, now what, what would have happened had Jesus not been formed in his character during that time? Yes, he was God. Yes, he was God. But what happens to you if you don't use that wilderness season purposefully to learn what God has for you? And then by the time you're into that wilderness season, right before the breakthrough, the enemy shows up and starts to whisper in your ear. You sure God said that? Didn't God say? See, 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 the enemy don't come on the front end when you're strong. He comes when you're tired. He show up when you're frustrated. He shows up when you experience a lot of grief and loss, a lot of conflict, people you love. And that's when he shows up. Then he begins to whisper. It's like, did God really say? So God is using these wilderness moments to, to, to transform our hearts, transform our minds, and to position us so that when we get to where God has us going, we'll be the type of people that mirror the type of people he wants us to be. You know, as I think about just my, my kids navigating me through, you know, the rooms of the house and how they let me bump into walls and, and, and sometimes leave me alone, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just reminded of the fact that, that no matter how 
difficult the journey was getting there. By the time I'm where they want me to go, and I see the beauty of what they've created, and they see the joy on my face because I'm there with them experiencing what they wanted me to experience, I don't even remember the difficulty of the journey. People of God, all I want you to know is that even though you may not know where you're going, even though you may not know what it looks like on the other side, you have a God who is leading you personally, who is leading you purposefully, and who will be with you when you get to where he's got you to go. Father, we're so grateful. Grateful this day for your word. Grateful this day that you have shown us time and time again that you are a God who is intimately aware of who your people are and what we experience. And so God, we pray that we would be the type of people who entrust ourselves wholly to you, who aren't prioritized with how quickly we can get out of a trial or a wandering season, but that we might be aware of some of those things you're trying to transform in us. Some of the character things that you want us to grow in. Some of the mindsets that you want to change. Help us to be prioritized, oh God, with what you're prioritized with, which is the transformation of your people. Help us, oh God, this day to trust you, to trust you despite our fears, despite our insecurities, despite our shortcomings, despite our lack of resources, because you do all things well. Miss God, be with us this day. Help us to know that your presence is always with us. It's in Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.